What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss some of the things or really everything that has happened so far in free agency and the offseason, sort of, so to speak, so far. Just in the last 24 hours has all happened. So I'll be doing one of these probably every day for the foreseeable future, considering there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. You know, So I'm going to try and just basically break it down into days and do one of my podcasts daily on exactly kind of the big news that goes on for that day, assuming things do happen, which it does appear that they will. So I'm going to talk about some guys that got franchise tagged, some guys that didn't get franchise tagged, the Patriots trade for Trent Brown, um, et cetera, et cetera, the Dolphins trade for Isaiah Wilson. But of course, I'm going to begin it with Dak Prescott. So Dak gets his contract finally, right? It's feel like this thing has been going on for multiple years and it's a four-year deal for 160 million dollars 66 million to sign and then um, he's going to receive a total of 75 million in year one 126 guaranteed dollars so that doesn't mean unfortunately for Dak Prescott that likely doesn't mean I shouldn't say that I know definitively but in all likelihood that doesn't mean that it's guaranteed fully guaranteed 126 million it means that the guarantee is 126 million. The difference in that would be if they were to like, for whatever reason, release Dak Prescott or trade him or something of that nature, get him off the roster by this time next year, or maybe this time the year after, then those guarantees would, um, the full guarantee would not happen. So in all likelihood, there's a good amount of this money that's fully guaranteed. I'd say at least $90 million. But until the contract uh, specifications or whatever come out, I can't know that. So the good news for the Cowboys in terms of this deal. Number one, it saves them cap space as it relates to the 2021 um, year in terms of cap space. But it saves cap space because of the franchise tag. So immediately, when you're Jerry Jones, you got Jerry Jones money. And you can give a $66 million signing bonus. By the way, that's the largest signing bonus in NFL history. So you can give the, the largest signing bonus in history. And then you can you can add two years of voided years to the end of this deal. So instead of spreading that $66 million over four years, you're actually able to spread it out over six years, which alleviates roughly... It basically spreads that out into the tune of $11 million per year that instead of giving that all to him, obviously, in one year, or instead of giving that all to him in any one year, you're doing so over the course of six years. And how the voided years work, guys, is basically they are just um, two additional years added onto the contract. So it's technically a six-year deal. However, there's like a clause in the contract to where, you know, when Dak, like assuming if Dak Prescott turns age 28 during this deal, the last two years void, it's like some type of void that is inevitable for it to not happen. And so it doesn't affect Dak Prescott in any way to do that. It only helps the team. So the good news, obviously, for the Cowboys that they, is they're able to, uh, you know, get their franchise quarterback signed, number one. Number two, the franchise tag would have cost them roughly $37 million for this year. And that would have all had to have been attributed to this year's cap, right? As it was charged to this year's cap. Instead of that, Dak only counts for a little bit over $22 million against the 2021 salary cap. So that's obviously a big win. I mean, that's essentially them creating $15 million in cap space by snapping their fingers. Uh, it's no more distraction. That's another pro for the Dallas Cowboys, a good thing. And, um, you know, the good thing also is that Dak's happy with the signing bonus, getting the biggest signing bonus ever. And you know who else is happy 
the Dallas Cowboys organization is happy because they have Jerry Jones, and Jerry Jones has that kind of cash laying around to do that. Like, if you look at the Raiders, I always use them as my example, and ironically, the Cowboys are always my example of a team with a bunch of cash. When you don't have cash and you can't give out signing bonus dollars, some guys don't want to come to your team. You know, like Khalil Mack wanted $30 million to sign, and that's why he went to Chicago ultimately is because they had that kind of money to give him. The Raiders really didn't, or they didn't feel like they – they felt like they'd be spreading themselves too thin at least, right? So they didn't do so. But in the case of Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones obviously has that much money, so it's not an issue at all for them to be able to, you know, give this signing bonus to Dak. Obviously, any player is going to like getting their money up front, and then it allows them to spread that out over the life of the deal. So the cons for Dallas, and in my opinion, there's one gigantic con. It's really the only real con of this situation and it's the fact that this this Dallas Cowboys front office still, in my opinion, botched the hell out of this contract. And the reason that is, is because two years ago, on April 11th of 2019, I took a poll on my Twitter and Instagram. And it was roughly 60% of you that said Dak was worth between 20 to $24 million. So in you guys thought he was worth less than Jimmy Garoppolo. And 40, 46% or 40% of you guys said it was 25 to 28 million, which was, if it's 28, it was a little bit more than what Jimmy Garoppolo got. Well, now we see he got over 40 million per year, right? And he got 66 million signing bonus. So the biggest con and the reason why I'm even bringing this up is simply because the Dallas Cowboys, if they would have just signed him to an extension a couple of years ago, even if they would have imagine if they would have paid him thirty million average annual salary a couple of years ago, like the Rams did with Jared Goff, you know, and and I know that didn't necessarily work out all that well, but the point remains they got him for a reasonable amount of money, at least as it pertains to the Patrick Mahomes and the Deshaun Watsons of the world right now. Now, it, look, in in all reality, the Cowboys cost themselves at least $10 million per year, just in what they paid him. They could have got him for $10 million per season less if they would have done this two years ago. So without you know being bitter about that from the organization standpoint, and I'm very happy that Dak got as much money as he possibly could, it just, if you were the GM of that team, you'd have to be sitting there looking at yourself. You're Jerry Jones. You're sitting there and you're like, damn, we have to learn a lesson from this moving forward. If, on our next franchise quarterback, whenever that guy comes, hopefully it's not long after Dak's gone, we need to sign that man. Like, we need to do it as soon as we possibly can. As soon as we know he's the guy, we need to sign him. Because as we've seen now with Dallas and then with the Washington football team back in the day, the Washington Redskins, that how that worked out for them with Kirk Cousins is not ideal. And look, the Washington football team still don't have a franchise quarterback currently on their roster. So, you know, it's it's not so easy to replace your quarterback. And if you get into that kind of negotiation battle with him, at least with the franchise tag involved, it becomes really, really weird, right? Because Dak, basically this offseason, he was able to use that franchise tag money is the baseline negotiation for the deal. So obviously, if you want to sign me for a longer term than one year, you're going to have to give me more than the $37 million franchise tag, right? And he was able to use that to his advantage, and he was able to get, well, like I said, what was it, $40 million? Yeah, $40 million average annual salary. Over the first three years, it's like $42 million, and basically all guaranteed is what I understand so far. But point is, 
that's tough, right? And then the, the other thing that's that's quote unquote a con, I guess you could say, is as much as it's a pro, it's also a con that the uh, voided years are there because if Dak is not on your team after the contract is up, those final two years, he's still going to count $11 million against your salary cap. So that sucks. And then the real only other con I guess I could uh, throw into this situation for Dallas is the fact that they couldn't get him to sign for that fifth year. It's awesome that he agreed to do the voided you know, the voided year thing and get the quote unquote six year deal. But in all reality, if they could have got him to do the five year deal and then add on two more voided years, it would have just saved him almost $2 million more per season is, you know, in terms of what they were able to spread out. So that that's sort of a bummer. I mean, especially in a year like this year. So instead of counting for 22.2, he would basically be counting for like 20. And, you know, in a, again, in a year like this, that that extra $2 million is a starter, another starter on your roster potentially. So obviously that sucks. But all in all, I think um, I'm happy for both sides. I'm happy for the Cowboys to get their get their guy paid and not have to worry about the distraction anymore. And I'm definitely happy for Dak. I think he's absolutely worth the money. I think that he and and also like what's the big fear we hear all the time? Oh man, you don't want to you don't want to play in the franchise tag because if you get hurt, then you'll ha- you know you won't get paid or whatever. Well, Dak Prescott proved that getting hurt, you know, is not the end of the world. At least if you're a quarterback, if you're an elite quarterback, it doesn't matter. You come up with a horrible injury and you miss the rest of the season. Well, guess what? We're still going to pay you. We're still going to give you 123 million guaranteed, biggest signing bonus ever. So for both sides, it's good and especially good. Because like I said, the Cowboys no longer have to worry about the distraction of when are you going to pay Dak? When are you going to pay Dak? Is he going to walk? Is he going to be traded? Do you guys want Russell Wilson? Like all that stuff, Deshaun Watson, et cetera, et cetera. Like all that stuff is now out the window. They have made it clear with their actions, not just their words, that Dak Prescott is their quarterback of the present and the foreseeable future. And um, so that's good for both sides. And I'm happy for Dak once again. So next thing on my list here is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise tag, Chris Godwin. I thought this was the most interesting of the franchise tags, at least so far. And um, what what does this mean for Shaq Barrett? Because if you're going to sit there and tell me that Chris Godwin is a more integral piece to your football team than Shaq Barrett is, I'm going to not agree. You know, like just to, to put it politely, right? I'm not going to agree with that. And if this means that you can't get Shaq Barrett to sign a long-term deal, I'm really going to think that you just botched that. You know, now I understand that you're going to get the third round comp pick if you let him walk, but you're going to get that if you let Chris Godwin walk. So I don't, you know, once again, for me, unless a deal with Shaq Barrett is imminent, I really don't like this move for them. I I, I like Chris Godwin as a player, but just when you look at it like this, you could assign Antonio Brown for eight to 10 million a year, maybe two years, 20 million. And then you could have, signed Shaq Barrett and um excuse me and let Chris Godwin walk like I, I think that just Mike Evans Antonio Brown Tyler Johnson Scotty Miller is a more than ample enough uh skill players for you to have at least when you when you factor in the money right you could have let Godwin walk got your third round comp pick and then signed somebody for half the price in Antonio Brown that could have just stepped up and got more of the targets This means unless they trade Chris Godwin, in all likelihood, Antonio Brown is gone. I mean, you're you're not going to be. I mean, A.B. loves Tom Brady and everything, right? But he's not going to go 
play for another million dollars next year when in all likelihood he's earned some money. Like he's showed that he's not a distraction or that he can be a guy that's not a distraction. And he's also productive as hell. Like he had some really good games. So I think that he's earned, like I said, eight to 10 million a year is what I think he'll cost. And, um, you know, I think that's actually, I just believe that Antonio Brown, even at this age where he's maybe lost a little bit of a step, I think that that right there is one of the best wide receiver values in all of the NFL. And I think paying Chris Godwin franchise tag money is, in my opinion, not one of the best franchise, one of the best values at receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, you could have even let Godwin walk. And if you don't want AB, you could have signed Curtis Samuel or something like that. Like, imagine him in that offense doing the playing the the slot role in the Bruce Arians offense. I think that would have been a a very good, um, you know, replacement for Godwin in terms of talent in, talent out as well. But hey, they they did what they did, and we'll see how it plays out. I'm very interested to see if they trade him because I think that's on the table, and I'm very very interested uh, to see what they do with Shaq Barrett. You know, I mean, he's a he's a dominant edge rusher, man, and maybe not in in every system or or every year of his career, but with the Buccaneers, with the current pieces they have in place. This guy was a very big reason why they won the Super Bowl this year. He was a very big reason why they beat the Packers. And just to let that guy walk out the door when Chris Godwin didn't do a whole lot in the playoffs, you know, and it's and it's not I'm not taking a shot at him. Their offense was just extremely balanced. So just when you when you assign real dollars to something that's not what I believe a priority in terms of wins and losses, something that's not necessarily moving the needle in that regard, it it's hard to stomach. So from my personal opinion, I would have franchise tagged Shaq Barrett or I would have re-signed Shaq Barrett and let Chris Godwin walk. So, I mean, that's let's see what they do from here on. Because like I said, once again, guys, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, and Rob Gronkowski and the running backs, I think that's more than enough in terms of skill players. And especially for the kind of offense you started having success with down the stretch, which is a very balanced offense you don't need to spend I mean Mike Evans is getting paid like 16 million a year so you're going to tie up 30 plus million dollars in your in two wide receivers which I don't think that is the reason why the offense was was good so from my opinion that's just how I feel all right next thing on my list here is the the Patriots trade for Trent Brown I loved this trade and this is just vintage Bill Belichick number one what have I been saying for the better part of two or three years now Rather than sign big name free agents where you spend $10, $15 million on one player, rather than that, trade for them, right? And not only that, when you can trade for a guy like Trent Brown that you have literally seen elite level play in your system, when you can trade for that guy and get him to take a pay cut, he was the he was one of the highest paid offensive tackles in the NFL. And guess what? making 11 million in 2021 that makes him the 19th highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL right now the 19th right the comp again the compensatory pick eligibility stays intact and they will likely let at least one of Joe Thune or David Andrews and or David Andrews walk if they if they let Thune walk which is what I expect them to do they sign Andrews they're going to get a third round compensatory pick for that right but more more than that their starting lineup at along the offensive line will be one of the best and more importantly, one of the most affordable offensive lines in the NFL for what you're getting. What I think the starting lineup would look like is Trent Brown at left tackle. Cause that's where he played before move. Isaiah went into left guard 
Uh, David Andrews, I think they'll re-sign, put him in at center, of course. That's where he plays. Right guard Shaq Mason, who's making a cool $9 million a year, very affordable. And then right tackles the, uh, the this past year's rookie, Michael Onwenu. That right there is a non-weak – like there's no weakness amongst that offensive line, right? If you're going to if you're gonna draft the young quarterback, which is some people saying like you want to build up that offensive line, that makes a ton of sense. If you want to bring Cam Newton back and let him play behind that offensive line, that also makes a ton of sense, right, with the power run game and things that they were doing with Cam Newton. So I like the – I mean, look, man, Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in NFL history, and he's not necessarily a greater evaluator of – the greatest evaluator of talent, at least as it pertains to the draft. But what he is, is the greatest identifying of NFL talent and how he can use them. He's arguably the best I've ever seen at that. So for him to be able to put these guys back in position now, um, guys that he's seen all of them excel in his system. And I think that they're all veterans. You know, this is it's they're veterans, but they're also young enough to be. I mean, on Wayne is a second year guy, but. Obviously, he dominated this year. So this is a young, talented group for a very likely to be, even after Andrews gets re-signed, which I think will happen, a very affordable cost, right? I don't think any of them are going to make more than $11 million a year. That's crazy. That is crazy. So I love what Belichick's doing, and um, it's a great trade. All they're doing, from what I understand so far, is swapping a draft pick in 2022. So not even this year. He won't even, they're basically getting him for free for the 2021 season. So when you look at that, man, it's just one of those deals where the Raiders were obviously going to trade, I mean, uh, release Trent Brown. The Patriots knew it. And they were like, hey, rather than release him, we'll give you something. Maybe, maybe we'll swap third round picks and, you know, in not this year, but next year. Whatever it might be, that's what they did. Even if it's swapping first-round picks, that may work out to the Patriots' benefit, which would be even crazier. But hey, we will see. I just think that if you're going to build a team th- behind an offensive line and you can also get that offensive line at a discount, essentially, I think Bill Belichick is just at it again. The greatest coach of all time understands that you win up front with the big men. So I love it. I love it for the Patriots, and I love it for Trent Brown. You can already tell he's he's posted something on Twitter saying that he was happy about it or whatever. So that's cool, too. Um, Miami trades for Isaiah Wilson. Now, along with saying trade for big name guys instead of signing them in free agency i've also said acquire whether it be via trade or um free agency low risk high reward players isaiah wilson is the perfect example of that you swapped seventh round picks or whatever whatever it was it was like nothing right you basically gave them a pack of doritos for isaiah wilson a guy that just Literally less than one year ago, not even one calendar year from today, was a first-round draft pick. A guy that we were all excited about, myself included, about blocking for Derrick Henry and having that power run game and this, that, and the other. Like, and it just didn't work out for him at all. And the Miami Dolphins were able to acquire him for nothing. I believe they swapped seventh-round picks, and the Miami one doesn't even come for a year. Something of that nature, right? It was like nothing. So this guy... As we say, 350-pounder, he was a first-round pick, and he has talent, right? So if it doesn't work, who cares, right? If he sucks and doesn't make your team, cut him. No big deal. You owe him zero guaranteed dollars. The Titans have already paid him his signing bonus. And, you know, again, if it doesn't work out, you'll just cut him, and it's no big deal. It's a low-risk, high-reward move. It made sense for Miami. And if you're Tennessee, I mean, 
I would have just kept him. I would have just put him like on the pup list for a year and see what happens. Like at this point, right? You, I, I understand you're frustrated, all that stuff, but you've already spent the first round pick on him. Just hold on to him and see what happens. I mean, he was a guy that you thought highly enough of to spend a first round pick on again, less than a year ago. So, I mean, I guess if you just wanted him off your roster that bad, I would have just cut him at this point, right? Like, just forget it. Just cut him and let him. I guess the reason they didn't cut him is because the Titans, or I'm sorry, the uh, Dolphins will pick up a little bit of that uh, contract. So they're off the hook a little bit for that because I think as a first-round pick, it's fully guaranteed. But I don't know. I don't even know. So I just whatever. I, it, it sucks for Tennessee and they, they just haven't been a team. If you look at what, who they've been drafting lately, they haven't been a team that's had a ton of success drafting. So they need that to improve. Um, and they need it to improve now because they're getting to the point now where they've paid Derek Henry, they paid Ryan Tannehill. They now need to hit on some draft picks to basically be able to balance that roster out. So we will see how that works out for Tennessee and for Miami. It might've just, you might hit pay dirt on that one for real. So Congratulations to Dolphin fans. You should be excited about that. Other guys that were franchise tagged today or recently uh, in the last 24 hours was Panthers um, offensive tackle, right tackle Taylor Moten, which I'm very happy about as a Panther fan. I think Moten is an awesome player. I was starting to think that we were just going to let him walk simply because, you know, he was from the old regime and, you know, whatever, whatever. But we we decided to franchise tag him, so that's cool. The crappy thing is that obviously, you know, kind of hurts our cap space in a potential Deshaun Watson trade, but I don't think that's likely to happen anyways. Um, and hey, I'm happy we're keeping him. I hope we get a long te- long-term deal worked out because in all honesty, having a player play on the franchise tag is economically one of the worst values you could possibly get because you can't move that money around any which way you know Dave Tepper is similar to Jerry Jones and the fact that he's got a ton of cash right so if you get a long-term deal done Dave Tepper has the money laying around in his piggy bank to throw Moten 30 million to sign or something like that and be able to spread that out over the life of the deal so the Panthers in in from now on really or as long as Dave Tepper is the owner, should not lose guys like this. If they ever want a player, right? If they ever want to give a guy, you know, a big time free agent or or one of their own, if they ever want a player, they should be able to get that player signed because Dave Tepper is one of, if not the richest owner in the NFL, period. He has that kind of money. He's worth like $13 billion, maybe even more than that now. I don't know. But he's got a ton of money. So for the Panthers, that's a big bonus when you're building a team. It allows you that extra flexibility that the Cowboy fans are seeing the reward of right about now with with Jerry Jones. And um, Taylor Moten is the kind of guy where if you give him a big signing bonus to sweeten up the pot to get him to take a long-term deal, I think that would be a very wise thing to do. I was curious to see what the market value would have been for Moten considering, you know, he he went, it's happened to a lot of Panther players like James Bradbury last year. He's been James Bradbury, for example, is one of the best players in his position for a few years, and no one really knew about it. So it's kind of like weird how the market would dictate for a guy like that. So Taylor Moten, I felt the same way about, and um, hopefully the Panthers resign him so I can see what his actual market value is. Okay, Giants tagged Leonard Williams, and I think that they're hopeful for a long-term deal, and I honestly expect a long-term deal to happen. I think that Leonard has once again proven, I've said this before, proven last year that he was a franchise caliber player. So franchise tagging him, in my opinion, it was a must. I think that he is the one dynamic guy they have up front in terms of like that guys that can just ruin a game for you. 
And I think that it was a smart move on their part. I think they should go ahead and get him re-signed to a long-term deal once again because having him play, especially when a guy plays on that second year of a franchise tag, that's even worse. So the unfortunate part for Giants fans is when you give a guy that second franchise tag, like it's you so much don't want to do it because when you do that, once again, the agent is going to use that dollar amount and it's an inflated dollar amount now because it's a second year with the franchise tag. He's going to use that dollar amount to to use as a kind of a baseline for in negotiations. They're going to say, hey, if I'm like, I don't know what the exact number is, but they're saying, hey, if if you're paying me one year, 22 million, well, I want to start our negotiations off at 22 million on a three year deal. Why would I or a four year deal? Why would I take less? And obviously, you know, that may just be a negotiation tactic or whatever, but you could see why someone like Leonard Williams would be, be like, hey, I'll just play one more year on this. I'll just have another 11 and a half sacks next year, and then I'll get I'll hit pay dirt after that. And, you know, if he was to do that, he really would hit pay dirt. So it's going to be interesting, man. I think that Leonard is a guy that could shock everybody and get something like a five year, one hundred and ten million dollar deal or something crazy like that would not shock me. Um, that would be over $20 million per season. I think Leonard Williams is going to shock people when he finally gets his uh, his big payday. And the Jaguars, surprisingly, are going to tag Cam Robinson. I, I didn't see that coming. I told you that I thought he would be overpaid simply because of the pedigree that the former you know multi-year starter at Alabama, higher draft pick, second rounder, would get. I'm surprised because it's a new regime and they came in and obviously they watched the tape and they liked him. So that's, that's pretty cool. I think this is uh, the writing is probably on the wall for Andrew Norwell there. So he'll, he'll likely be a guy that hits free agency and Cam Robinson. I understand it because he's young. So if you think that he's a potential franchise offensive tackle, then it makes sense. But I didn't think he was that, but Hey, I don't watch every game tape and I'm sure urban Meyer and his crew did. So, um, Kudos to Jacksonville for doing something that seems to be an objective decision. And then Washington um, tagged Brandon Sheriff, and I like that move. I think keeping that offensive line together is definitely a wise move. We know Ron Rivera prioritizes that offensive line, so I like that for Washington. And then the non-tags, Kenny Galladay just came out right before the podcast here that Kenny Galladay was a guy that's not getting tagged. So we will see the market value on Kenny Galladay, and that is going to be very interesting. Expect him to, to cash in right around that Amari Cooper level contract, 20 million a year, maybe a hundred million dollar contract for Kenny. I could see him signing a little bit of a shorter deal um, just because of the kind of circumstances that we're in. And, and because he's not all that, he's not very old, but we will see. I think that um, it's very likely he'll get a 80 ish million dollar deal. I did a prediction on him, I believe a few podcasts ago. So check that out if you don't, if you haven't heard it. And then Hunter Henry is not getting tagged for a second year, which I think makes sense if you're the Chargers. And then Bud Dupree coming off the injury is not getting franchise tagged. So for the Steelers, and it's just quite honestly, because Pittsburgh doesn't have any damn money. You know, they don't have any cap room and they really don't have a ton of things they can move around in terms of like being able to rework their deals. So for them, especially with the looming TJ Watt contract extension needing to happen, they just couldn't afford Bud Dupree at this particular moment. And I think that, you know, that makes sense. You never know. Maybe Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree goes out into the, the workforce in a COVID, you know, salary cap tampered offseason, however you want to call it. And maybe he comes back to Pittsburgh and says, hey, give me a one year, you know, incentive laden deal so I can prove that I'm healthy or whatever. And maybe they get him back that way. Who knows? But as of right now, Bud Dupree looks to be entering free agency. So we will see. And um, yeah, guys, that's about it for you for this podcast. I will be back a little bit later with another one. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Peace.